You are, alleluia. We praise you for all that you have made, for the birds we hear singing out of the window. You have placed joy in our hearts. We have seen your wonders. And we give you thanks. Amen. Just going to pray for Matt and Julia as they want to come up. We're very glad to have you here this morning. So thank you for coming. It's your first Sunday really back yes. proper. So um, you're fresh here. So <laughs> I'll just pray for you both before you, uh, you speak. Father, we thank you for Matt and Julia, uh, for um, all that you have to say to us through them. Father, we pray that we would give us ears to hear and hearts that are open to receive your word that your spirit would work in us to move us and to show us your ways and your work. We pray your blessing upon Matt and Julia. We thank you that they are here. We thank you for all that they are doing and have committed themselves to and for the people that uh, they meet. We pray your blessing and your touch upon them, uh, even this morning as they are uh, away from them. So thank you, Father, for for them. Bless them this morning and us as we hear your word. Amen. Amen. Okay, testing, two, one. Excellent, <laughs> good. Should you do me as well? Can you hear me? Perfect. Fantastic. And the clicker's working. Fantastic. Good. Excellent. Three from three. Good. Um, good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you today once again, um, but also, I think, tinged with a little bit of sadness, as it's probably the last time, with BMS at least, um, that we will be with you. Um, I imagine that most of you here uh, are fairly familiar with us. We've been here uh, maybe three or four times over the years now, I think. Um, but just in case anyone needs a quick refresher, let's just skip on. There we go. Um, we are uh, Matt and Julia. Um, and with your support, we've been working with BMS, uh, the Baptist Missionary Society in Kosovo for the last six and a half years now. And in the time that we've been there, we've also been joined by two wonderful boys that you can see in the pictures and you've probably seen I've running seen around them, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and shouting <laughs> this morning. Um, Barney, who's three, and Joey, who just turned two uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, we are, as I said, sadly coming to the end of our service with BMS, um, but nonetheless, we're hoping to continue living and serving in Kosovo. So to that end, um, we're going to have uh, another quiz. So thank you, Julie, for warming uh, everyone up. Hopefully you've got the, uh, uh, the brain cells uh, uh, whirring already. Uh, we're going to have a quick quiz to re-familiarise yourselves um, with, uh, with Kosovo and something of our work. Then we will have some reflections from scripture and then we'll give you a little update on uh, what we've been up to since we were last with you a year or so ago, um, what we will be doing when we return to Kosovo in a few weeks time and also what BMS's plans for the future are as well. So that's a, a rough sketch of where we're going over the next half hour or so, if half an hour is okay, I hope. <laughs> 
Okay, I'm going to come roving, so wave at me if you want to give the answer. Match the flag to the country. Who knows what the top one is? There we go, I'm off. And these are all countries where BMS is at work. It's the one, the blue one. With the... Yeah, that is Kosovo. Fantastic. Who can go. tell us what the next one is? Ooh. Top right, would that be Mozambique, Peru or Tunisia? I think Mozambique's the one on the right hand side. There we go. There we go. Good. We've got two left. Someone else waving. There we go. Bottom left, Tunisia. Fantastic. There you go. Come down the front. We've got sorry, some knowledgeable okay. people oh, at the front. Sorry. <laughs> Back. Wave at me if you're feeling confident because it's not hard now, is it? <laughs> There's one left. Oh, it is Peru. Fantastic. It is Peru. There we go. There we go. Good. So those are all countries uh, where BMS is at work, where we've got good friends of ours from this country that have been sent out uh, to work there. Uh, we, as we've said, have been in Kosovo for the last six and a half years. We're based just outside the capital city of Kosovo. But which city would that be? This who's one's feeling, really hard. I know. Who's feeling brave for this one? Who'd Anyone like to... would have risked it here. <laughs> or maybe after three. One, okay, two, yeah, three. Yeah. There Fantastic. we go. You never knew you knew so much about Kosovo, did you? <laughs> Good. So. This one's slightly harder, and you can see that this is Matt, the history teacher, uh, putting out a whole <laughs> set of dates to you. But it's not the first one, I think, is quite easy. Which one of these places, Mother Teresa Cathedral, the Ulpiana Roman ruins, Gracchanitsa Monastery, or Bear Sanctuary Pristina, was built in 110 AD? So the Roman ruins are 110. What about, what's next? The cathedral. I think, shout at me. Yeah, the oh. monastery is what date? Give me a date, go on. Fantastic. So 702 years old, the monastery. And then this is where it gets a little bit tricky. Um, what came first, the cathedral or the bears? <laughs> <laughs> If you think bears, wave at me now. If you think cathedral, wave at me now. Well, bears, you are the winners. The bears, the bears have bears it, yeah. 2013. <laughs> and there you go, well done, winners. And Mother Teresa Cathedral is very new and was only inaugurated once we'd already moved to Kosovo in 2017. Absolutely. So it's, a, it's a, a region, a territory with a very, very long history, um, some very obvious displays of religion as well, uh, and some, uh, some beautiful places for us, uh, to, for us to go and visit. Okay. However, oh. it is nominally Islamic. So although, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although there are lots of churches, they are historic churches, um, and yeah, most of the population are either nominal or practicing Muslims. Here you go, this is football, but who can remember all the way back in 2019 when Kosovo played England in the football? What was the score? Kosovo and England. Yeah, Kosovo versus England. We, we didn't lose, I'll we give were, you that, so that's the clue I've got We for you. were losing we were. for a bit, so that gives we you a clue. It, more, it was more, it was a lot more of goals. goals. So many goals. <laughs> well, five, five, five. I'm going to give you half a point for 5-4. Okay. That was 5-3. Yeah, hey, yeah. uh, very good. Too. <laughs> yeah, half a goal, yeah, half a goal, yeah. yeah. Uh, very exciting match. If you look at the times of the goals, you'll see the Kosovo went into a very, very early lead. Uh, England then scored five goals. In, 
Uh, a guy called Berisha scored in the first minute. Sterling, Kane and Sancho. And one of them was an own goal, an so own goal. that was a possible yeah, <laughs> player. So England then went 5-1 ahead before half-time, and I was thinking, oh, please put them out of their misery, and end it now. Um, but then you'll see Kosovo made a good comeback in the second half, and it ended in a very creditable 5-3 uh, win for England. Um, Kosovo were perhaps unique among uh, world countries in that they were delighted to be hosting the England football team. Um, this is an opportunity for great excitement for them. England is a kind of a traditional power, I guess, of football, uh, coming to play against uh, Kosovo as a very new country, a new football team. It was very uh, affirming for them, uh, for their national identity, uh, and they were delighted to host the England team, the England supporters, and it was a wonderful occasion for, uh, for England to come and play in Kosovo. In which sport has Kosovo won all three of its Olympic gold medals? It's a good guess. Good we have guess a lot of ice, but not no. correct. Not gymnastics. It's women have won all of the medals. If that there is, there aren't very many Kosovo sports, and swimming is actually one of them. They've had but it is not the winning. Go on, go give, for it. Give you one more guess. Okay. Canoeing, but boxing. I heard boxing's, boxing's probably the closest. Closer, boxing's closer. the closest guess. Whoever said so, boxing, half a month. For judo, again, sport uh, is a really um, a powerful way for Kosovo as a, as a young country to, um, um, to make their mark on the world. So they're very, very keen on sport as a, as a way of showcasing their national identity. And what are the two official languages across the whole of Kosovo? <laughs> Anyone feeling brave? Serbian, fantastic. Yep, Serbian. Yep, yes. And Albanian, and brilliant. Albanian, so Serbian excellent. and Albanian. Um, in other regions of Kosovo, some, some places, Turkish is also recognised because it's a Turkish population and Roma because of the Roma population. But across the whole country, it's Albanian and Serbian. Um, most of the population, about 90% of the population are uh, Albanian. Somewhere between 5 and 6% are Serbian, and then there's uh, other uh, ethnic minorities as well. Um, the Kosovo used to be part of Serbia, arguably, according to the Serbs, still is part of Serbia, but the majority population are Albanian, and that's why there's this uh, language division. Okay. <laughs> that's, yeah, you get two teachers on stage, and that's what happens, <laughs> I'm afraid. Um, what is the population of Kosovo to the nearest million? Lower than five. Five, yeah, lower than five. Lower than, lower than three. three. Higher than higher one. Than one. <laughs> two. two. There we go. Everyone got it. Hooray. <laughs> there we go. Two, two million people. So, so relatively small. Obviously when, we, uh, when we go to talk in London, for example, London, the city of eight, nine, ten million, Kosovo as a, as a nation is uh, considerably smaller than that. And so this is some of these statistics. Statistics are quite hard in Kosovo because Serbs don't always participate. So these are all estimates. Um, but what percentage of the population of Kosovo identify as Christian to the nearest 10 percent? Ten. Oh, there we go. <laughs> there we go. There Ten. We go. So we've got three different major denominations. The Serbs identify as Serbian Orthodox, which is a central one. There's a traditional Albanian Catholic population, um, as in the cathedral. And then over here on the right is the uh, 
one of the evangelical churches, and the evangelical church only accounts for 0.2% of the population, but between the others we get up to 10. Name one of the two currencies, or in fact, let's name both the currencies that you can use in Kosovo. Yes, well done. The euro and... Matt gave you a clue earlier. Some people there don't believe that it's, it's its own country. They believe it's part of another country. And that gives you the other currency. So, yeah, a, Serbian dinar. Well, again, you got yeah, half yeah. a point for the Serbian uh, yeah. pound. Yes. Serbian <laughs> so, euro and the, uh, the Serbian dinar. Where we live in a Serb-majority town, uh, we can actually use both currencies. And then the strange thing then is the, the dinar that we have in our wallets, as soon as we leave our town, becomes completely useless. So it's a slightly strange situation to be but in. But without dinar, we can't pay for our kids to go to nursery because we have to pay that in dinar. So it's, <laughs> we're working in two currencies. And then last question, something a bit more domesticated about us. Um, we have a pet animal uh, who lives outside our house in Kosovo that we acquired uh, from, a, a, from, a from Kosovo. Yeah. He was, you gave away the answer. Oh, I did. He was a street <laughs> but, but, what, but what is that animal that lives outside our house? It's not a cat. I think I heard a dog, yeah. We've got a lovely dog named Mookie. Okay. Um, so as you, I hope you can see uh, from our PowerPoint presentation, Kosovo is a, a beautiful place. It's an exciting place, a young, vibrant place, but it's also a difficult place with a divided population, um, economic and political instability, um, a place often confused about its identity and where people feel forgotten, a place, as we've seen, with some very overt expressions of Christianity, a long history of Christianity, whether that's the Orthodox Church or the Catholic Church, but also a place where the vast majority of the population know nothing at all about the hope uh, and the, the gospel of Jesus. And it's also a place with our dog that we've uh, come to feel like home and a place that we still feel called uh, to live and serve in. Now, the last time we were here, on a, on a Sunday at least, um, I, I quoted something of the email correspondence that I'd had with Chris in preparation for the service. Uh, and I'm actually going to do that again this morning, uh, which is interesting. It's not something that I normally do. I don't normally go around churches and then just say everything that the minister said to me uh, in emails in the week before, but, but there you go. Um, so what Chris wrote to me uh, in response uh, to my question, my question was, is there anything in particular you would like us to do or not do, uh, or a theme that you'd like us to touch on during the service? And so Chris wrote, um, Matt, it would be great if you or both or either of you uh, could bring an update on how things are going in whatever format you want to do that, and if you could bring a Bible reading and a sermon or talk. And she then goes on to say, I haven't got any particular requests as to what you talk about. Our current preaching series is working our way slowly, she says with an exclamation mark, um, through Romans chapter 12, around the theme of living in response to God's mercy and grace to us. But, she went on to say, that doesn't really lend itself in any way that's obvious to me. So it'd probably be better for you to just do your own thing and not worry about it. Well... Well, <laughs> challenge 
inadvertently, at least, given challenge accepted. Um, so we will be staying in Romans chapter 12 this morning. However, um, since I gather you've been going through this in, in some detail, and I hope that's been a really um, good and encouraging series for you, um, we're just going to skim across the surface of the chapter, picking out two or three points that felt particularly appropriate for us. Um, because as I was reading through it, um, it I felt it really speaks uh, to where we are uh, as a family and uh, as Christians, who will be relieved to hear, uh, who are seeking God's will uh, for our lives. So I'm sure it speaks also to where BMS are as an organisation, and I think therefore it will speak to each of us both as individuals and as members of God's family. And plus, the upside for me uh, is that if we say anything which is perhaps an oversimplification or contestable, if we leave anything out, or if we say anything which is just completely wrong, um, at least we know that someone else will be correcting us at some other point. Um, for us, as we approach the end of our service with BMS, there was a temptation to focus um, on, on endings and then on new beginnings. But what I actually love about this chapter is I think it speaks more of the, of the ongoing, of the, the continuity of the Christian journey, which is ultimately how we live our lives is ultimately that response to God's grace and mercy. Um, in fact, I think the message of this chapter is really summed up by uh, another response to my question, which I had from one of our other partner churches where we'll be visiting in a couple of weeks. Um, the guy at this church said, if you wanted to explore a theme further, I would possibly consider how we too, how all of us are called to be missionaries with a lowercase m in the places that we live and the places that we work and where we play. And so that's where, really where we are now. Although we won't be missionaries with a capital M uh, anymore, we, of course, want to continue living and working as, as missionaries. Um, and of course, that's where most of us find ourselves as well. Not missionaries professionally or by job, but nonetheless called to live a missional life in whatever form that may take. So I'm sure this chapter will have something to say to us um, because in the last simple response I want to share with you, we shared in a church uh, just last Monday, uh, a very small prayer meeting, and there were two older ladies there, and as Julia finished uh, reading the chapter, they just looked at each other and went, well, that's a great chapter, isn't it? <laughs> so I hope uh, there is something of that wow that you still feel about this chapter as you work through it, and hopefully something as we share our thoughts on this chapter will jump out at you uh, this morning. So I am going to read it all. It isn't that long, but I will read quite quickly. So if you want to follow along, I'm now reading from the red, what claimed it was a church Bible. So um, it's Romans chapter 12, and it's on page 1139. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. 
If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. Amen. So for me, the connection between the three responses that I got to my question from these different churches uh, is very clear. That our response to God's mercy and grace to us is to live as missionaries in the places that we live and work and play. As we were praying before the service, uh, in fact, one of the words that was shared um, was that through God's grace, that we may make a difference outside these walls. And so this is what we all should be seeking to do. This is what the Christian life is, whether we are called to be professional missionaries or not. And this great chapter, uh, as the, the lady said at the prayer meeting last week, this great chapter shows us uh, how to go about doing that. Uh, so verse one says, I'm not going to go through every verse, by the way, I promise you. Um, verse one says that it's as a response, as a response to God's mercy and grace. We are to offer ourselves as nothing less than a living sacrifice. That sounds kind of daunting, kind of intimidating, I think. But I think then actually verse two is then really reassuring uh, as we work through that. It says our minds should be transformed. It says our minds should be transformed so that we can identify what the will of God is. And I think the reason I feel encouraged about this kind of living sacrifice, transforming, it sounds intimidating. But I think as we do those basic building blocks of the Christian life, um, as we read our Bible, as we spend time in prayer, as we spend time reflecting on the nature of God uh, through worship, just as we've done this morning, that I think we would expect to understand God a bit more, at least a bit more, and expect to understand his will a bit more. If we never prayed, if we never read our Bibles, of course, we wouldn't have a clue what God's will is uh, for us. So for us, we went through this process um, before we joined BMS. We've done it throughout our time in Kosovo, and particularly over the last two years as we've been, we've been seeking um, God's will in particular for our future. And of course, we will continue to do so in the years and months ahead. Uh, we will continue to seek God's will through prayer, through reading the Bible, and hopefully allowing our minds to be gradually transformed as we seek God's will for our lives. Um, we feel, as I said before, that it's God's will for our life to remain in Kosovo for the time being, um, but how we do that will be uh, changing slightly. 
This process of transformation in all of us is an ongoing process. Uh, BMS uh, has been around for over 200 years, um, nearly, I think, 225 years, and still as an organisation, we, we prayerfully seek God's will, and BMS is evolving in response to that process of prayerful reflection. So allow yourselves, allow yourselves both corporately as a church and individually to continually work through the process, the process of transformation so that you may more fully understand God's will uh, for you as individuals and as a whole church. And as someone else was praying this morning before the, the service, allow God to move you from where you are to where he wants you to be. Um, verses 3 to 8 then are all about how we can serve one another as a body of believers. And therefore, it's all about what the results of that process of transformation may actually look like in our lives. And I love the encouragement that there is in here to really do what you can do, that there is a role for each of us um, to participate uh, in the body of Christ. Uh, and again, we should prayerfully consider what our specific gifts are and seek to grow in them and use them to serve others. Again, this is a process that BMS has been undertaking to identify from all the work that BMS has been doing all around the world, to identify what the real, real strengths of the organisation are and to really focus resources on those areas that God is calling into. And therefore, BMS is evolving as an organisation. It can be a bit painful, but also we're hoping it's where God wants us to be and that the results are going to be, we hope, amazing uh, by his power. Um, for us personally, we still feel that teaching mentioned in verse 7 is where we are most gifted, although I should caveat that um, by saying we're not talking specifically in a church context, which I think the passage really is talking about uh, how the church can build each other up. Um, but nonetheless, I hope the teaching that we do in a kind of outside the church, I hope in some way still falls under that, uh, that umbrella. Um, we love teaching um, and it's where there are identified needs in the community around us that we can serve. Um, as a church, for you guys here, there are lots of things that you could do. There are lots of things that you could be. Uh, and one of the privileges of our role is that we get to travel all around the country, meeting lots of different churches, and they all look different and they all do things uh, differently. And yet they're all doing some amazing stuff. Um, we know some really, really small village churches. Uh, they've had a very stable membership for many years. Everyone knows and loves everyone else. They don't always find each other easy, um, but they know and love each other and they look out for each other's needs and they really, really serve each other as a church. We know other churches in cities, they're the much bigger churches, members come and go a lot more, there's different nationalities, there's, I'd, I'd guess, perhaps a bit more money in the churches, uh, and they're doing lots of amazing outreach with different community hubs and activities going on throughout the day, all sorts of stuff. Well, you can't be both. You can't be both that small village church where everyone knows everyone, there's real deep relationships there, um, and the big church with lots of outreach to students and, and all this sort of thing. They're both wonderful, but you can't do both of those at the same time. So I'd encourage you to think as a church, what is it that you do really, really well? And I'd encourage you to really lean into your particular giftings as a church and prayerfully look for ways to grow in what it is that you do really, really well. 
And then lastly, verses 9 to 21 uh, are a really practical set of principles which outline how to live out that calling on our lives in whichever gifting it is that we seek to step out into. Um, there's so much here that we could talk about, so I'm really relieved that you've got a whole a series of people going to, I guess, be picking out different bits from here. Um, but the verse that really spoke to us was, uh, was verse 18, if I'm just going to skip. There we go. Was uh, verse eighteen um, where it says um, to do your best to live at peace with everyone, and that's sandwiched in between calls not to repay evil for evil and not to take revenge, and that's really, really what Kosovo needs. Kosovo needs peace builders. It needs um, people who will not be seeking revenge. It needs grace and mercy. And even in the last week, you might have seen uh, there have been some violent flare-ups uh, flare as the ethnic and historical divides continue to destabilise society. Those of you that follow tennis might have been aware that Novak Djokovic kind of leapt into this as well by writing nationalistic Serbian slogans on the camera uh, after, after one of his matches. Um, and so it's a, it's a country where even this last week, there have been divisions in society that have become more and more evident uh, and there's been violent outbursts in, in relation to that. So our response as a couple to God's mercy and grace is that we seek to see the people of Kosovo offering mercy and grace towards each other. And we're so excited that we've been able to support the work of a partner organization that are working to build uh, what we think is a better, a more hopeful, a more peaceful Kosovo in which all people have the opportunity to experience abundant, peaceful life. So as I said, for us, we don't want to focus too much on endings or new beginnings. Um, when we re return to Kosovo, there will be some newness, um, but also we hope much continuity as we continue to offer ourselves, we hope, doing our best to offer ourselves as living sacrifices as our response to God's mercy and grace, seeking his good and perfect will for our lives and for Kosovo. Do you, I'm sorry to, to interrupt a little bit. I just felt as Matt was speaking, and from what we've experienced when we've been coming here over the last three years, that actually you have a really good church here to be a bit of both of what he was talking about. That actually you know each other, and we've met lots of you lots of times, and you're all interested in each other, and you're also looking to reach out. So I just wanted to say, like, I don't think Matt was trying to say, don't try and do both, because no, I think you've got no. both. <laughs> But I think he's saying, look for that vision. And I, I don't know what that is. I'm afraid God didn't come down and tell me what it is you should really lean into. But I think you have a real opportunity here to be both of those things. So be encouraged um, and keep seeking. That was what I wanted to say. <laughs> okay, um, so this is um, three wonderful young women that we know. Um, one is Russian, one is Albanian, one is Serbian. Um, the Albanian and the Serb are both Kosovo, they both come from Kosovo, um, and the girl with the red hair is our boss, Angela, she is absolutely wonderful. Some of you may actually have met her, um, and her best friend is the Albanian on the other side. Um, so Angela, along with her fiancé, uh, are local Serbs who facilitate cross-cultural dialogue, and that's massive. They are the minority, they are the ones who've got representatives shouting, Kosovo is Serbia, and yet they've said, we're going to build peace, we're going to be bridge builders, we're going to be peacemakers. Um, 
So the Kosovo Youth Fest is what this is a picture of. And Angela and Dielza um, got together and said, let's celebrate Kosovo and its diversity. Um, let's all come in our national dress, which is fairly similar, as you can see, but let's come in our own national dress. Let's bring our food, which they also discovered was quite similar. And let's dance. And guess what? That was also quite similar, <laughs> but they loved it. And they realized what they had in common. And that's the kind of thing that they do. And they also do cross-cultural round tables and dialogue. Um, and they have us there um, to teach English for them. So you can just see here uh, some of our classes that we have. Uh, these are our children's classes where we, uh, we teach English. Uh, the reason that we teach English is that it's the language of intercultural reconciliation in Kosovo. It's the language of peace building, where people, as Judy said, aren't really prepared to speak the, 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 the opposite language of the other people group. Uh, all people can have the opportunity to learn English and therefore to dialogue with each other and build relationships through that language. Um, English also helps to improve job prospects uh, in a country where there's very, very high unemployment. Um, and there's also there's very few extracurricular clubs in the town that we live. So the parents love that actually we're providing somewhere that's safe, somewhere that's peaceful, uh, that they can bring their kids. And we hope it's somewhere they can experience just something of, of God's love for them, although we're not allowed to be kind of overtly saying Christian stuff to them, um, I really hope that we treat them um, in a good Christian way. And it seems to be that the parents really acknowledge that there's something really safe about where they're sending their children to. And the way we do that is, I think we're trying, Matt and I say we're not terribly good at hospitality in our own home because we've got two small children throwing toys everywhere and not a lot of space. But we hope that we're being hospitable in our centre where we welcome everyone. We have different ethnicities. We have boys and girls together in a patriarchal society. Um, and actually a majority of our class is girls. Our classes are girls. Um, and we also take children with special educational needs who aren't always welcomed with open arms in other places. So yeah we we try and just make sure we're welcoming to everyone and we try and provide for as many people as we can so we have a class for teenagers which you can see our children were all happy to pose but up here we asked the teenagers to pose and they all hid behind their certificates apart from the one delightful one who you can imagine is a handful in the classroom um so we have all of these wonderful people in our lives and and then for adults at the bottom here as well matt has been teaching them by himself so he knows a lot more about that than i do but they are a lot of women, aren't they, that you've been teaching, yeah. which again gives them the possibility. They are all minorities from Kosovo, different minorities, but minorities. Um, and so it gives them the opportunity uh, to improve their job prospects in a country where unemployment is really bad and even worse amongst minorities. Um, you can also see uh, that just uh, two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago now, I think, we had a, we had a wonderful uh, party to celebrate the end of term um, with our children's classes. You won't see many in my adult class um, hanging out at the party there playing silly games. Um, but you can see that I really hope these kids, these boys, these girls from, uh, from different minority groups um, had the opportunity to build relationships with each other. Uh, and also through this, that we're also ourselves building relationships with families in the community. Uh, this last year, we've actually been oversubscribed, which has been fantastic. Um, we had about 25 kids at this party, and we were only supposed to have 20 places, but we've had more and more kids come in, so we've been trying to squeeze them in, add extra desks on the end, more chairs, uh, and this sort of thing. So it's been really, really encouraging um, that people have been, the families have been really responding to our classes, and it's been really growing uh, very organically as well. And so we also try and use our community centre where we work to be diverse and to be 
useful um, in all kinds of different ways. And, and we, so we teach in it, and we also, the things that Angela and Jovan are really passionate about are round table discussions. They want to get young people, especially in Kosovo, and youth in Kosovo is 18 to 30, which confused us when we first got there, and we're like, what, you want your teenagers to get together and have, no, we you want your 18 to 30 year olds to get together and have really in-depth, deep discussions about how they can build a way forward um, for Kosovo. And so we had one of those, and um, the Under Secretary General for Peace of the UN um, came along to one of them. Um, he actually asked us to host it, didn't he? Um, and so we had him come along, um, and he brought a big delegation and a, and a whole load of uh, people with headsets and earpieces and sunglasses and big cars and all kinds of things. Um, and so he came, but he was wonderful, and he gave some amazing advice about building the future that you want to together, saying, let's not look too much back and try and agree about what happened. By all means, we can reflect, but we're not gonna agree about that. But let's agree on the future that we want to build for us and for future generations. And so he gave some great advice. Um, and we had this, yeah, big fancy delegation there, all in our best clothes and everything. And then the next night, I think it was, we had a get together of former students who um, came along. And these, these guys in this picture, just watching School of Rock, so nothing very anything, just fun. And we just got together because they said they missed us, didn't they? They said, we miss hanging out with you because you're not teaching us anymore because we're too good. Um, so can we, can we see you? And we said, yeah, let's all get together. And what they and their parents have always said to us, these three are all Roma, is that we've never treated them like they're Roma. We've always just treated them like they're people. Well, it's never really occurred to us to treat them as anything different. But we know that that's something that we're trying to build other people towards, that actually treating people like they have value when they're from a different people group isn't natural to everyone around us. And so we're trying to change those mindsets in people. Um, and yeah, offering our hospitality to everyone. And this is our church um, in Pristina. So actually what is nice is that we are, there are a few evangelical churches and ours doesn't currently have a building. So another one of the evangelical churches has said, you can use it in the afternoon. Um, and that's had some really big impacts in ministries. Matt's been able to do some more rugby stuff that's given him ways into people's lives. Like God's really used that for us and for our church. Our church has grown as it's had more space. And um, yeah, it's just nice that act of unity within the church. And here you can see us leading worship. Um, I do not like leading worship, but there I am. I do it sometimes anyway. Um, and in the middle is a wonderful Albanian believer who until this moment, nobody knew played the guitar, um, but he came in. Matt's arm was in a sling. I'd been asked to lead worship about an hour before in Albanian um, and he turned up and he said oh do you want me to pick up the guitar and we said very much so can you play it and he said I can so he helped and he helped with my Albanian pronunciation and all of those things but he's a local believer and we're really trying to build them up and now that we know he can do this he might regret it because we want to build him up <laughs> and push him into his ministry um, so yeah we we love being a part of an inter-ethnic church it's it's English Albanian and other internationals isn't it um, Americans Dutch all kinds all together God's people all together in one place in English and in Albanian um, with an Albanian pastor and we just want to help build up the locals so that they can take that church forward. And for us, what we think is um, one of the important things about us belonging to this church um, is that where it's a majority Albanian church, um, our classes are majority Serbian. That gives us kind of a bridge between the two communities. I think our people in our church amongst Albanians know that we work with Serbs and that just kind of acts as a reminder for them that, oh yeah, there's still Serbs here and oh yeah, those guys are, are, with, are, are working with the Serbs and it kind of keeps 
stop some, I guess, from thinking of the Serbs as just being other and forgetting about them, but actually knowing that we're there working with them and loving them, I think just subtly works on the attitudes of the Albanians in the church towards the Serbs. And they ask us about um, it as well, don't exactly, they? Exactly, yeah. They ask us, oh, what's it like living with Serbs? And we say, not like you think, it's really nice. Um, <laughs> and it's nice to have those opportunities to say those things to people and vice versa. Yeah. People ask us about our Albanian friends in the village. They're like, they know that we go to church because we're not Serbian. Why would we go to the Serbian Orthodox Church? Our church is in Pristina. What? How is it? How is it going? Yeah, it's really nice. They're nice people. Um, and we actually find Serbs in our village have a much more open mind to Albanians, which I think is why it's a really good hub to have this inter-ethnic stuff coming out of, because they are the more moderate Serbs in Kosovo and, yeah, very rarely say anything negative about Albanians. So what a great place to start sowing those seeds and hopefully seeing them grow. And this is our future. Our future is going to look quite different. Um, we've been working together now all the time for six and a half years. And now Matt is going to be working in Pristina High School, which is a, it's a school with a Christian ethos. It's affiliated with Christian networks of schools. It's not allowed in Kosovo to be Christian because everything is secular um, that's run from the government. So it is a private school and it has a Christian ethos and Christian leadership. Um, and so, um, yeah, you were quite excited talking to one of the teachers there, weren't you? Yeah, I think I, I had a very good conversation about three weeks ago. I went into the, to the school uh, just to meet with the guy who's currently doing the job that I will be doing. Uh, and I went to kind of just meet some of the kids, observe a couple of lessons, uh, get some resources from this teacher. But actually, we ended up having a really good conversation. Uh, he's an American mission worker. Uh, and he very much sees the school as his, as his mission field. Um, it's very much a majority Albanian kids. These are kids and families that know nothing at all about Jesus, know nothing at all about the gospel. And it was actually a really good reminder to me. I'd, not, I'd kind of forgotten, really, to think of the, the school in that way. It was just uh, kind of somewhere to have a job to keep us going in Kosovo. You were and thinking he, tent making, right? Exactly, you? So yeah. that I could stay and do the mission work, I think. Exactly, <laughs> but he, he was so passionate about, actually, you know, every morning I'm praying for these guys, I'm looking for opportunities where I can to share something of Christianity with these kids. And that got me really excited. So I thought, yeah, yeah, we're gonna, yeah we can go and still continue to live and serve uh, as missionaries uh, in this school, as well as earning some money that we need uh, to continue uh, the work. And the teachers do pay off, they do <coughs> rub off. We've had parents that we know who aren't of Christian, like Christian background, talking to us about how the kids are, notice something in their teachers and I went and heard an 18 year old from a really devout Islamic background choose as his piece of art he was going to present on the last supper and talk all about Jesus and his disciples and what a beautiful piece of art this was so it is reaching these families and these children and young people because they take them from kindergarten which is where I'm going to be two and a half hours a day um, teaching as well because yeah we do need to tent make a little bit um, but I'm going to be working with the very littlest and Matt's going to be working with middle schoolers and some high schoolers so we go right across the board um, and then I will be going back to Brechtnitsa um, and I will be continuing to run only unfortunately half the classes we can offer at the moment um, because with two small children a job in the school and this that's all I genuinely think I can manage um, so so I'm going to try and run half the classes um, with the support of our local colleagues volunteers and also please be praying that internationals from the church people want to learn English from native speakers so we need internationals from the church to really catch the vision our pastors caught our vision but he's Albanian um, and we just need internationals to become interested in minorities as well and not just to think of Kosovo which I hear so much is an Albanian country Kosovo is Kosovo and it's everyone who lives there's country um, and so we just want that vision to catch to people so that they can see that bridge building peacemaking is God's work in Kosovo as well 
So that's where we will be going uh, in the future, but BMS, as I said, have been going for over 200 years, since 1790-something. Um, and their mission uh, will be continuing uh, all across the world. Uh, their highest goal, as they say, the highest goal of BMS will remain um, to bring people to faith in our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, and an experience of the abundant life that only he can provide. And they'll be um, seeking to minister in three particular contexts. First and, firstly, amongst the most marginalised countries, the most marginalised people groups in the world, uh, where there is extreme poverty, um, where there are people really uh, really struggling to live very, very difficult lives where people feel forgotten. BMS will be seeking to minister and show God's love to those most marginalised, most forgotten people. Um, secondly, they will be working in the least evangelised context, countries where less than 5% of people uh, declare a Christian identity. And so BMS will be doing, continuing to do work like planting churches uh, and training pastors to continue to, to spread uh, the hope of the gospel throughout the world. And lastly, um, BMS will be working with people on the move. This is, I guess, refugees, economic migrants, people who've been displaced by war and conflict, people who've been displaced by climate change, people uh, seeking a better life uh, for their families. And so continuing to work with the most forgotten, the, most, the people living in the most difficult circumstances throughout the world. And just to return to uh, Romans chapter 12, right at the end there, verse 21, where it says about overcoming evil with good. And that will remain BMS's vision. Wherever there is evil, where, whatever form that may take, BMS is seeking to be there on the ground, overcoming that with good. So we'll close now with a prayer. Loving God, we thank you for this world that you made, and we thank you for the beauty that you put in it. And we pray today that as we consider Kosovo, as we consider BMS's wider work, and as we consider the work here in Barton, that you would help us to want to see the beauty that you want restored and to recognize that you didn't bring in the brokenness and that you didn't bring in the pain, Lord, but that you're there with us as we go through it. And we pray that you will help us to be people who are with others as they go through it. <clears throat> and we thank you that, that that passage in Romans tells us that we all have gifts and we thank you that you gave them to us and that it says we exercise them according to the grace that you gave us. We pray that we will trust you as we step out and we'll know that it's a gift from you and it's not in our own strength, Lord. I pray that you will use each person in this room, each person in this church to bless the community around them, to serve those around them, to serve within the church, Lord. And I pray that you really will in all of these situations and across the globe right now, it seems so relevant that you would be the Prince of Peace and that we would play our part in living at peace with everyone around us. And I pray, Lord, that your spirit would move and we would see real transformation on an individual and on a global level in the direction of peace, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.